Welcome to The Wellness Project. I'm your host, Des, and this is episode number 101. Hello, welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, I'm speaking with Jennifer Falloon. She's going to share her story about being raised by a mother with a mental illness, undiagnosed for a long time, and being emotionally abused by her parent. She's going to share her story of how she dealt with that emotional abuse, how the emotional abuse impacted her mental health, and how she began to heal. I think this is such an important topic and not one we speak about enough, so I'm so glad that Jennifer is on the show to talk with me today. We really need to shine more of a light on children that are not only physically abused or sexually abused by their parents, but also emotionally abused or neglected. I'm looking forward to hearing Jennifer's story because it's such an important one, and I'm really thankful for her being here today. Help me welcome Jennifer. Everyone, I am here with Jennifer Falloon. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today. So to get us started, can you introduce yourself, who you are, and share your story about being raised by a parent with a mental illness? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm Jennifer Falloon. I'm the owner of Vorsa Investments. I'm a real estate, uh, multifamily real estate syndication and acquisition company. So I buy apartments all over the nation and I give busy professionals the opportunity to partner with me. You know, there are usually people that want to own real estate, but they don't want to be landlords. And this is really a big deal for me because I wasn't raised to be any kind of professional whatsoever. My mother was not diagnosed. Growing up in the 80s, there wasn't mental health awareness. Um, If your parent had a mental health issue, then, you know, they were just kind of labeled crazy, right? So growing up, you know, I didn't realize my mom was bipolar. And I don't know if she was schizophrenic at that time. I would sometimes like to think that she was because she was very cruel. There would be times where I would tell her something and she would swear that I didn't. And so I, looking back, would like to think that that was due to the mental health and not just her cruelty, but it was hard. She was absolutely bipolar Um, She is diagnosed schizophrenic now. Yeah, it's just super hard growing up in a household where um, you're constantly belittled. You know, I was never good enough. You know, I had had plans growing up. You know, I was like all about the L.A. Lakers and I was going to be an L.A. Laker. Well, I was first going to go to a California college. I was going to be a cheerleader and then I was going to dance for the LA Lakers. And then, you know, I was going to go to law school and I had all these plans and I would talk about it. And one day, I guess she just, you know, was in one of her moods and was like, you know, you're never going to California. You're never going to law school. You're never going to dance or cheer. You know, you're not good enough. We would never be able to afford it. Even if you were, and I never spoke of that again. I, it just went away. And, um, and that was just, you know, some of the cruel things that she liked to do. If there was anything that made me happy, uh, she would absolutely go out of her way to destroy that. 
you know, growing up even at 12 years old, you know, when I'm wanting to experiment with, you know, the big fluffy hair that everybody had in the 80s and 90s and makeup, you know, she would constantly, if I stepped out of the norm in any way, you know, she would say, you know, you look like a whore or do you want to be a whore? Is that what you want to be a whore when you grow up? And so I was always very careful to never stand out, to always blend in, to never do, you know, never experiment with hair, makeup. And so really hard. And as soon as I graduated high school, I was out of there and, you know, I struggled. I struggled a lot because I had incredibly low self-esteem and didn't think that I was allowed to do anything. Um, and I would self-sabotage all the time because I was just, you know, that was just ingrained that you're not allowed to be anything. You're not allowed to do anything. You know, what are you trying to do? Who are you trying to prove? And, and anytime I would do well too, she'd be like, you just think you're better than everybody else. And that was something that I never wanted to be. I never wanted to be better than anybody else. I just wanted to be, And, um, so if I felt like I was going to get a promotion at work or I moved up in any way, I would self-sabotage that because I didn't want, you know, I didn't want the accolades and I didn't want anybody to think I was trying to be better than somebody else. So I just, you know, confined myself and it wasn't until I was in my late twenties, early thirties that I decided I had to break free from that mental carnage. And I just started to change my mindset and say that I was too good enough, that I was tired of living a mediocre life. And I just went after my dreams and started doing things. I decided I didn't care if anybody thought I was better than them. And I didn't care if anybody thought I was worthy or deserving. You know, I was going to go out there and, and do the things I wanted to do. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, that's incredibly hurtful and painful, all those things she said to you. I'm so sorry you've had to experience that. As a child, did you realize that your mother had a mental illness? Absolutely not. In the 80s, even if she had went to the doctor, you know, I don't know that they would have diagnosed, you know, and she wouldn't have. So she is very narcissistic. She is very much, you know, if you told her like, Hey, you're being crazy or why are you, you know, what's going on? She would absolutely reflect that. Like I wouldn't be crazy if you weren't bad and I wouldn't be crazy or I wouldn't yell if it weren't for you. Um, so growing up, I just always felt like, well, it's my fault. Yeah. And that she was just cruel and, and she really is mean. Yeah. And so like everybody that came over just thought I had a super mean mom and super cruel. And I think the hardest part was feeling crazy myself because like I had mentioned earlier, I would tell her things. I would tell her I needed school supplies or I would tell her that I was going to a friend's house or I would tell her, you know, that somebody was coming over and then that event would happen. Like, you know, the next day I'd be like, Hey, I I told you I needed school supplies. And she'd say, you never told me that. And you're a liar. That was the other thing. Like I was always a liar. Everything that came out of my mouth was a lie. And I would think I was crazy because I would be like, what if I really didn't tell her that? Like, I swore I told her that. And there were times like I would just argue with her and say, I did too. Like, this is where we were standing. And this is what time it was. And this is exactly what I said. And this is what you said to me. And she'd be like, you're such a liar. I would panic inside because I thought maybe I'm crazy 
Um, and these things aren't really happening, but yet I'm imagining them to happen. And my only saving grace was, you know, a couple of these instances happened when friends were present. I was able to go to them and say, this really did happen, right? I'm not crazy. And, and they'd be like, no. And, you know, if they stuck up for me and said like, hey, that really did happen, she would be like, well, you're just lying for her. Why are you lying for her? Don't let her turn you into a liar. And, but it would make me feel better because I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. This isn't me. The situation really did happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so were you the only one in the home or did you have siblings or was anybody else living in the home with you? Yeah. So, um, you know, we had a slew of stepdads and, and boyfriends and other, you know, people that would, my mom would move in and out. Um, I did have an older stepsister that lived with us for about a year and um, my mom was horribly cruel to her. And I spent the whole year, and she was older than I was, but I spent the whole year like trying to protect her, even though she was the older sister. But we kind of became very close in, you know, protecting each other. And it, we also became very conniving and sneaky ourselves, which is a horrible thing to be as a teenager and a young teenager. But in order to get away with anything or be able to do anything or have any freedom whatsoever, you know, we had to lie and sneak and, and do things. And it was like, she would know, she would just know, and she would just go out of her way to try to catch my older sister doing anything and everything, you know, it was, it was awful. Um, and then I did have a younger sister that didn't get any of this. Like she was my mom's favorite. She's the baby. Uh, my mother loved her, loves her dearly to this day. They live their next door neighbors. They live by each other and they are almost identical in how they act and, and treat others. And uh, yeah, so it was pretty much when the year my older sister was there, you know, as soon as she graduated high school, she was out. And so then I was kind of left kind of a, the lone wolf to take the brunt of, of everything. And that must have been really difficult, too, to see your mom treating somebody else so well, your younger sister, that she was the favorite. I mean, I can imagine that would have done a lot of damage to your self-esteem as well. Um, absolutely. And it was kind of like my my life's mission to be cruel to her. When parents weren't around, I was terribly mean to her. And it was like that was the only release I got. Yeah, unfortunately, she took the brunt of my frustration and my anger. And so, you know, we were, we've never been close, obviously, and we never really got to have a sisterly bond, which, you know, I'm really sad and, and sorry about. That's really, really hard. And that's in no way your fault at all. I mean, that's a normal reaction to this type of emotional abuse. Absolutely. I know you mentioned that you had really low self-esteem and you would self-sabotage a lot. Did your mom's mental illness affect your mental health in any other ways that you could see? Growing up, yes, very much. Like, you know, I was depressed. You know, I was miserable. I mean, I had a miserable home life. And, you know, one of my punishments was uh, I couldn't even see my grandparents. So that was like a, an escape for me to, you know, just be loved on by my grandparents. And, you know, so when I was grounded from them, which was a horribly cruel punishment, you know, it's like I was cut off from any love. 
that I was desperate to receive. And then, of course, I tried to spend a lot of time at friends' house, you know, and be loved on by their parents and, and loved on by them. So, you know, I tried to commit suicide twice at 12 years old. And yeah, so definitely some depression growing up, definitely bouts of feeling crazy, wondering if I was schizophrenic. I didn't, as a child, I didn't even know what schizophrenic was. I didn't even know that term until I was like in my late twenties. But looking back, I always felt like, am I crazy? I asked that a lot, you know, am I crazy? You know, is this me making up false narratives in my head? You know, when my mom would tell stories of things that would happen and she would tell them wrong. And I would think, surely that didn't happen like that. And if I would correct her, you know, she would be like, oh, you're a liar. Why are you lying? And so I was always so paranoid about when I would speak to anybody, especially adults, is what is coming out of my mouth true? And I was always scared that, you know, am I lying? And I would even to, even to this day, I will kind of think ahead and be like, okay, is what I'm going to say the absolute truth? You know, I don't want to be called a liar and I don't want to lie. And so I do still carry that, you know, like I said, in my mid twenties, probably not even mid twenties, probably late twenties, I was just able to let a lot of that go. You know, I wasn't crazy. I'm not depressed. I refuse to think that I'm crazy. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to belittle myself anymore or think less of myself than, than what I want to be. Oh, that's really great. And I definitely want to get into all that mindset work and work you put into improving your mental health. But before we get there, growing up with your mom and this level of emotional abuse, was anybody aware of this? Were any family members, teachers, was anybody aware of it or provided any sort of help or support at all? Not really. My grandparents obviously knew, you know, that my mom was, had emotional instability, which is why, you know, I would spend as much time with them as I could. And, you know, they would get me as much as, you know, was allowed. Um, I have an aunt, you know, but she was raising little kids, but, you know, she would ask if I could come over and babysit often. So she would try to remove me from the household as often as she could, but then they moved to a different city that was very far away and, and that kind of stopped. When my mom married her third husband, we were estranged estranged from my my father. It was my second dad, but he was like my my dad and his family. We weren't allowed to see them, talk to them, affiliate with them in any way. And that was devastating. Um, so when they got a divorce, we were allowed to see that side of our family again. And they really rallied. My paternal grandparents, my paternal aunts and uncle, you know, they really stepped forward and we spent a lot of time with them at their houses. At one point I lived with my aunt, you know, ended up going back to my mom because I did miss my friends and which was a really bad decision. But yes, family members did know and, and they did what they could. But, you know, like I said, my mom can be very cruel. At the end of the day, she was the boss of us. So, you know, if they rubbed her wrong or did anything wrong, you know, until I was allowed to drive and was able to drive, you know, we were kind of at the mercy of whether she would even let me out of the house or allow me to see family. It's so hard when children are stuck in these situations and there's really no saving grace until you graduate high school and you're able to move out on your own. So can you talk about that? Like, 
once you graduated, moved away, what did your life look like? How did you improve your mental health, work on your mindset? Um, Well, I didn't. I was a hot mess for years after I moved out. So I hadn't been taught how to really do anything. I didn't know how to balance a checkbook and I didn't know, you know, I was bouncing checks like crazy. I didn't know how to pay bills. I didn't know the basic necessities of life. My grandmother would try to help, but I was like so intent on doing this on my own, right? I was so headstrong and I was like, I can do it. And I had a great job at Walmart. I was a customer service manager. So back in the day when they actually had cashiers, you know, I would run and, you know, get money and assist them and do breaks and stuff. And right when they started to talk to me about, you know, coming into a bigger management role, I had to self-sabotage. I was like, I can't possibly be in another management role because somebody's going to think I'm better than them or somebody's going to say, you think you're better than them. Or So I left this great job to like work at a gas station and worked at a 7-Eleven and then I bounced and I think I worked at McDonald's and and then I ended up getting pregnant at 19 and having a baby at 20 and I did settle down, you know, a little bit, but you know, had my second child at 25 and it wasn't really until then, well, probably even a couple of years after that, that I really kind of said, I don't want to live like this anymore. Like just constant bad decisions and divorced my husband and, you know, had one bad, awful loser boyfriend after another. And there was like a string of them and, you know, trying to be a good mom to two little boys and, and be a single mom. And I was just reliving her life. At 29, I was like, this is enough. I'm not doing this anymore. And I just really, that's when I really started to work on my mental health. And I started to say, who cares? I said, I don't care what anybody thinks about me anymore. Like I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to do all these things. And I set out to do it. As much as her and my sister tried to sabotage me, you know, there was a point where like I just disconnected from them and I really don't have much of a relationship with either of them um, except to check in a couple times a year, but I don't see them. I don't really communicate with them all that much. I love my nephews. I have four nephews and, you know, I try to stay connected with them as much as I can, but it was well into my late twenties before I really started to hone in on my mental health. And I just took charge and decided how I was going to feel and decided how I was going to allow others to treat me. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to do that and break that cycle and get out of getting caught of living the same life your mother lived. That's so hard for a lot of people. And it's so hard. You always hear those people that are like, oh, well, it's family, their blood, and it's your mom. But when you experience this and you grow up like this, I mean, there's there's nothing more important than your mental health and your well-being. And I think that sometimes the right decision is to cut off some family members if they're treating you this way, if they're impacting your mental health this way. So did you ever hear anything like that, of that any sort of judgments that you don't talk to your mother and your sister? Oh, absolutely. You know, but it's like until you've walked in my shoes, until you've lived my life, like you don't get to have that say. So, and again, you know, the, those aren't my people. So if somebody's going to judge me, especially if they know my story, nobody that knows my story or has lived with me, you know, lived a life with me would say that. 
only somebody that doesn't know anything or only has heard their side of the story would say anything that ridiculous. And so then I know that they're not my people. You're not my friend. And, you know, that the conversation ends here. Oh, absolutely. I fully agree. And I just hear a lot of people struggle with that. People that don't know the situation or sadly people that do when they say, well, it's, it's family. You can make amends, you can work it out. And what message do you have for people that hear those kind of things from others? You have to shut it down. You know, don't let other people dictate your feelings, right? Like they don't get to do that. Nobody gets to dictate your feelings and nobody gets to undermine how you feel. If estranging yourself from somebody helps your mental health, then that's what has to be done. And if somebody says that, then, I mean, you can deal with it however you want. I would just be like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but this is the reality I cannot be around either of them and function in life. So I choose to function in life. I choose to be a good wife and a good mother to my children. And I cannot do that if I'm not, you know, functioning. So sorry you feel that way. Oh, absolutely. I fully agree 100%. Thank you for that. Jennifer, this has been so great. I'm so glad that you're sharing your story because I don't think we hear enough from children with a parent with mental illness. It's not something that we commonly talk about. So I'm really grateful that you're sharing your story because parents with mental illness, that does impact their children's lives and their mental health so much. So what words of wisdom or advice do you have for those that are struggling with a parent that has mental illness? Uh, My prayers are with you for sure. Um, I would just say, you know what, just stay in your lane right? Stay in your mental mindset. You'll be who you want to be. We can't listen. And I am super sad for younger children that, you know, won't hear this and don't know this, but, you know, even teenagers, or if you know of a teenager, you know, if it's not yours, uh, if it's not you directly, but just let them know that you love them, feel loved despite your parent. Do the things you want to do despite the negativity and despite the the ugliness and surround yourself with people that love you, that support you. And don't be afraid to talk about it in the eighties. You just didn't talk about things that went on in your home. It's just not something that you did. And now I think, especially with mental health awareness, there's a more openness to talk about it. Teachers, I think are kinder than they were back in the eighties, you know, go to a teacher, go to a counselor, go to your friend's just get loved on wherever you can in in a healthy way. Don't bounce men and boyfriends and significant others, which is what I did too. But, you know, find a healthy outlet for people that love on you, mentor you and, and help you. Oh, I love all of that advice. Thank you so much. And Jennifer, can you tell everyone where to find you? Absolutely. So probably the easiest place is my website, www.vorsainvestments.com. I am absolutely not a counselor or therapist at all, but I am certainly willing to share love and encouragement to anybody that may need it. Oh, great. And everyone, I will have that link in the show notes. So if you feel like you need to reach out to somebody that has been through what you're going through, definitely feel free to reach out to Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. It's so important. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. I really hope you learned a lot from this episode. Working with kids, there are just so many kids that fall through the cracks that we're not aware of what they're going through at home. And you just wouldn't believe the things that kids are going through at home. People have no idea. I only know because of the field I'm in and that I work with kids every day. So many kids are going through such hard times and things we couldn't even imagine or picture that they're going through. So many kids are being raised by parents that are either emotionally abusive, physically abusive, neglectful, sexually abusive, or there's kids that are being raised by parents that have their own issues, whether it's a mental illness, addiction, and not getting help for these different issues. And this leaves children in a very vulnerable, dark place. If you have a child in your life, please be a light for them. Be that person that supports them. Be somebody that loves on them. Because a lot of kids need that, and sadly, they're not getting that from the adults in their lives. Thank you so much for listening, and Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. I will see you all next week with another amazing guest.